Well, again, guys, I want to welcome you. And uh, it's fun to have all the kids here, isn't it? A little chaotic, a little crazy. It's all right. It's kind of how we roll. It's fun to have everybody uh, join us in one room together. So thank you, kids, for being up here and helping Mr. Jingle and Mr. Jangle with the Christmas story. It's great. Uh, we've been doing a series here over the past month, our Christmas series, called It's Christmas with Red Cups, Black Fridays, and Happy Holidays. And basically what we've been talking about is what it looks like for us to celebrate, celebrate Christmas in the world that we live in today, what it looks like for us to celebrate Christmas in our culture. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about, you probably heard the, the kind of the fiasco with Starbucks and their plain red cups. And uh, this year they decided not to put anything on the cups other than just red. And so they took the uh, Christmas ornaments and Christmas trees and Santa Claus and all that off of those cups. And it, so it made some uh, folks upset. It made some folks, some Christians upset feeling like uh, Starbucks was trying to take Christmas out of the holidays and Jesus out of Christmas. And so we said, how do we respond to this stuff? You know? Like, how, how do we respond when this sort of thing happens in our culture? How, like, what's my filter? How do I decide if something is worth standing up and fighting for or it's not? And so what we said, we looked at this passage in Matthew 23 about Jesus kind of getting on the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees of his day. And he talked to them, he's kind of hard on them, he's saying, you're straining out gnats, but you're swallowing camels. He's saying, you're, you're focusing on the little things and you're missing the really big things. And so we kind of concluded from that, we said, listen, not everything's a big deal, right? Like, not everything's a big deal. Some things are small deals. Some things are not even deals at all. Let's not make things that are really nothing into something really big and then miss the things that are really big, miss the things that actually are a big deal. And we said, if our purpose is to help people come to a proper understanding of who Jesus is, then we should ask ourselves if, if us, like, that's the mission that Jesus left us on, Right? To, to go help people understand my teaching and understand who I am. If our purpose is to help people understand properly who Jesus is, we should ask ourselves, before we make a big deal out of something, we should ask ourselves, are we pushing? If I make a big deal out of this, am I pushing people away from Jesus? Or am I pulling people toward Jesus? Am I pushing them away or am I pulling them toward? And we said, this isn't a Christian nation, right? As much as maybe we want it to be, this is not a Christian nation. And we shouldn't expect people who don't claim to be Christians, like businesses like Starbucks, for example, to act like Christians. We shouldn't expect that. And we said if we're not careful, we can make Jesus repulsive to people by the things that we say and the things that we do. So we said, kind of the conclusion of that was, let's not sweat the small stuff. Like, let's not sweat the stuff that's not a big deal so that we can really show Jesus who he is and what he did for us. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Then two weeks ago, we looked at kind of the craziness of Black Friday. Who did Black Friday shopping this year? Be honest. Yep. The crazy people right there, right? Yeah. We looked at kind of the craziness of Black Friday and how Christmas can be an absolutely insane time of year. You know, all the, all the busyness and chaos and, and parties and shopping and decorating and family drama, right? Like Christmas just brings out the craziness. And so what we did was we looked at Luke chapter 10 and we looked at two ladies, two sisters actually. Their names are Mary and Martha. And Jesus was a guest over at their house, actually over at Martha's house. And Martha's like running around. I mean, imagine if Jesus was a guest in your house. Martha's like running around trying to get everything ready. And she's stressing about all of this stuff. And Mary, in the meantime, her sister, is sitting at Jesus' feet. 
She's just sitting at his feet, listening to everything that he's saying, just soaking in every word. And so Mary starts to get frustrated. She starts to get stressed, and she complains. And she goes to Jesus, she's like, Jesus, tell my sister to get off her butt and help me, right? In essence, I paraphrase, but that's what she said. Get, tell my sister to get up and start helping me. And Jesus responds to her. It's so fascinating. Jesus says, Martha, listen, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're stressing and you're worrying about stuff that in the big picture is not that important. Mary's choosing to focus on what's most important. He says, I won't take that away from her. And so he said, like, how do, we, how do we apply this to our lives? When there's busyness all around us and important things all around us, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, he we said that all of the fun, crazy stuff at Christmas, like all of the festivities, they're not wrong, right? As long as they don't become our focus. They're fun, you know? Like getting gifts and giving gifts to people is fun. Decorating is fun. As long as they don't become our focus. We said, enjoy the festivities of the Christmas season. But let's learn from Mary. I go up there. Let's learn from Mary. How are we doing? Did you want me to get another mic? We, no, we lost power. We'll fix it. Okay. Can you guys hear me if I talk loud? Yeah. yeah. All right, all right. So I said, so let's learn from Mary and not uh, focus on the things that aren't important and miss the things that are really important. It's really about him. It's really about Jesus. We can't get lost in all of the celebration of Christmas and miss the one who Christmas is really all about. And so he said, if we find ourselves feeling frustrated, like if we find ourselves like Martha, feeling frustrated and stressed and depressed at Christmas, it's probably a good indicator for us that maybe we've lost a little focus, right? Maybe if we're feeling stressed and frustrated, maybe we've lost a little focus. And like Martha, we've become distracted. And I'm not seeing things clearly, right? I've lost perspective. And so he said, maybe what we need to do is refocus on Jesus. We need to refocus on him. Slow down, talk to him. Listen to him. Spend time with him. It's amazing how when I refocus and I stop thinking just about, like, focusing just on my problems and the hard things in my life, it's amazing how when I focus on Jesus instead, it changes everything. Like, those hard things, those frustrating things, those stressful things aren't as stressful and hard and frustrating anymore. My situation may not always change. Here we go. My situation may not always change, right? My circumstances might not change, but my perspective changes in those circumstances when I refocus on Jesus. So that's what we looked at two weeks ago. And then last week, we looked at happy holidays. I don't know how many times I've been wished happy holidays and Merry Christmas this year. Um, I want to have a happy holidays, right? I, I want to have a Merry Christmas. But we looked at the question. We said, like, what if life's not that happy right now? How do we celebrate Christmas? How do we celebrate and be happy and have a Merry Christmas when life's not that happy? And so what we did is we looked at the Christmas story. In the Bible, in two places, it was one of the trivia questions before service, in two places it talks about the Christmas story. Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 1 and 2. And so we looked at those two passages and we looked at Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, and how Jesus came into the world. And we said, at first you look at that story... And it's like this amazing story. You know, it's like, man, this must have been the most incredible, joyful experience they could ever have. An angel comes to Mary and says, you are highly favored by God. 
And God is going to come upon you and you are going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Like imagine if an angel says that to you. Like the joy, the excitement, right? Another angel comes to Joseph and says to Joseph that your fiance is going to be pregnant, but it's with God's Son. And God's Son is going to take people's sins away and it's going to save the world. Like imagine if you're Joseph, what you're thinking. Like this is incredible. God is entrusting his Son to me. And then you have the baby, and other people come and start worshiping him. People you don't know, you got shepherds, you got wise men coming, bringing gifts, worshiping God and worshiping your child. Like, amazing, right? But the truth is, as wonderful as it was for Mary and Joseph, when you think about it, it also must have been so challenging and so tough and unpleasant at times and even scary at times. Like, put yourself in their shoes. I think about how, like, the fear of failure in raising this child, right? Like, you are entrusted with the Son of God. What if I screw it up, you know? Like, what, what, if, what, if, what if I, like, create baggage? What if I teach him the wrong thing, right? Imagine what they must have been feeling. Imagine the scandal. They weren't married yet. They were engaged, and all of a sudden she's pregnant, and her belly gets bigger and bigger. Imagine, imagine the whispers that must have been going on around them. And then they have to take this 90-mile journey. Mary's very pregnant, some, somewhere along the line. She's very pregnant, and they have to take this 90-mile journey by donkey, ladies, very pregnant, 90 miles from their hometown of Nazareth down to, to uh, Bethlehem. And then they give birth. There's no room at the inn, the guest room, and so they have to give birth in this dirty old stinky barn with farm animals. And they take the baby and they wrap him in cloths, they swaddle him in cloths, and they put him in a feeding trough. Right? That's, that's what a manger is. And then on top of all that, an angel comes to Joseph later and he says, listen, there's a king, Herod, who's angry. And he's worried that the baby is going to take over his kingship and he wants to kill your child. And what you need to do, Joseph, is take your family right now in the middle of the night and flee to Egypt. Can you imagine how crazy that would have been? How scary that would have been? How could they still experience the joy of Jesus' birth while it was intertwined with such challenge, struggle, and pain and fear? Well, I think, this is what we talked about last week, I think the way that they can do that is understanding the difference between joy and happiness. A lot of times we use those words interchangeably, Right? <laughs> joy and happiness, but they actually mean two very different things. Whereas happiness is sort of this temporary feeling that's based on your context. It's context specific. It's circumstantial. Like, life is good. I'm free from pain. Therefore, I'm happy. Right? That's what happiness is. Joy's different. Joy's not based on context. Joy's not circumstantial. And it's given to us, it's so important, joy is given to us as an irrevocable gift an irrevocable gift from God. Jesus said, he was talking to his disciples about kind of abiding in him and getting their strength from him. And then he says this to them. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, joy is something that God fills us with when we come to follow Jesus. And it can't be taken away from us no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're experiencing. No matter how hard times are, we still feel pain. We still feel struggle. We still feel fear and heartache and all of those things. We just feel them from a fundamentally different position, from a fundamentally different perspective. 
See, knowing God through his son, I know that, that this life isn't all that there is. And the very real troubles that I deal with in this life, the Bible calls light and momentary. Like those hard things that you and I are dealing with in life, the Bible calls light and momentary. Not because they're not real, not because they're not painful, but they're light and momentary compared to what we're offered in Jesus, compared to the incredible joy and hope and peace that I receive in this life through Christ. And then on top of that, beyond this life, eternity with him. So no matter what's happening in our life, Jesus has come. Like no matter what we're going through, Jesus has come, and that changes everything. He's like my anchor. And it's like we're in an ocean. We're being tossed about by the waves. Like some really good things, it's easy to be happy. Some really bad things, it's easy to be discouraged. Jesus holds us steadfast, right? Because he's come, I can have joy no matter what life may bring me. So that's, that's kind of where we've been over the past few weeks. It was interesting. I was reading an article this past week about atheism. And the article was talking about how, how many atheists celebrate Christmas. I thought, well, that's interesting. Atheism means you don't believe in God. You don't believe that God exists, right? And so the article is about atheists celebrating Christmas, which is interesting because Christmas is fundamentally about Jesus coming, right? And so it talked about the, this atheist blogger, his name was Hamant Mehta. And he talked about, you know, loving getting together with his family and friends and giving gifts. He loves the upbeat spirit of the season, uh, going Christmas shopping. He even has a Christmas tree at his house. And he said this, he said, it's a nice way to just relax and spend time with your family. If it coincides with the majority's religious holiday, great. Another guy, Boston University professor, was quoted in it, Stephen Prothero. He said, it, Christmas, isn't just a Christian holiday anymore. It's a lot of other things. Another guy, Randy Godovich, who's from a group called American Atheists, this is what he said. It was interesting. He said, we're trying to be inclusive of everyone in Christmas and saying that anyone can celebrate it. It shouldn't be viewed strictly as a Christian holiday. It's interesting to me. All right, like this is, this is the world that we live in. And I think, as I think about what they're saying, I think in many ways they're right. I think in many ways they're right. For better or for worse, Christmas isn't just a Christian holiday. Like Santa, elves, reindeer, Christmas tree, snowman. That's nowhere in the Bible, right? There was no reindeer at the manger that day when Jesus was born, right? That's nowhere in the Bible. That's the secular part. That's the cultural part of Christmas. It is what it is. And I agree with the guy, the, uh, the guy who meant in the article. He says, it's kind of fun. I guess stuff's, it's fun stuff. But like I said previously, it just can't become our focus, right? It's fun stuff. But it can't pull away our focus from who Christmas is all about. Here's what it makes me think. See if you agree with this. It makes me think that there's a lot of confusion in our culture celebrating Christmas. There's a lot of confusion celebrating Christmas in our American culture. You know, should it be celebrated broadly or shouldn't it be? Like, is it for everybody or is it not for everybody? Is it politically incorrect to do that or is it okay? Is it exclusively a Christian thing, or is Christmas secular as well, cultural as well? There's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding when the secular and the sacred sort of rub up against each other. And those of us that call ourselves Christians, we're not beyond the confusion either. It can be very confusing for us, too. We're not beyond feeling frustrated when Christmas isn't celebrated publicly the way that we think it ought to be. 
You know, we can get angry and we can, we can get focused on defending Christianity and Christmas and pointing out where other people have it wrong. Like, we can get focused on the small things. And like, no, 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 you're not right. You're not right. Or we can just kind of succumb and, and celebrate all of the stuff of Christmas, the Christmas shopping, the parties, and all that, and never really spend time focusing on Jesus. Because in our world, what Christmas is all about can be confusing. And it can be convoluted, and it can get lost if we're not careful. So tonight, before, before we say, we're going to sing a couple more songs, and then we're going to send you off on your way to celebrate the rest of Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas, however you do that. Before we do that, I just want to take four minutes, four minutes, and I want to bring a little clarity to all of us and what Christmas is really all about. I don't want anybody to walk out of here tonight being confused, like, what? What is Christmas all about? I don't, I, don't, I don't want anybody to walk out of here confused. And so I want to talk about this sort of at the corporate level, the human race level. But as I do that, I want you to think about what this means in your life. I want you to think about what it means on the personal level. See, Christmas is all about God looking at the most important part of this creation, you and me, the most important part of this creation, and recognizing how totally messed up we are totally messed up and desperate for help we are. Like, we blew it. We absolutely blew it. We were ruining our world and we're ruining ourselves. Think about it. Fighting, war, pride, selfishness, rape, murder, extreme poverty and people not caring about it. Hatred, all of those things. There's some good, yeah. But it's mixed with so much evil and chaos. It was like all of humanity is stuck in this vast ocean with no boat, no life preserver, and unable to swim. We're just flailing around, right? Being tossed back and forth, doing everything we can to live another day, to keep our heads above the water. And God saw all this. He saw all of the evil and sin and chaos and struggle, everything that we had gotten ourselves into. And instead of looking at us and saying, you messed up everything, you messed up everything. I created it so good, and you turned it into all of this. Instead of God saying that and leaving us to fend for ourselves, He says, but I love you. I love you. Guys, at our lowest point, when we had absolutely no hope, when we had chosen sin and evil and godlessness over and over and over again, God said, I love you. You're worth it to me. You're worth it. And so in the most miraculous, incredible thing done in the history of the world, I think it's safe to say, about 2,000 years ago, God himself came to rescue us. Somehow, in some way, God left the confines of heaven and he came to earth. God the Son put skin on, right? He put skin on and he came to us that faithful night in that dirty old stinky barn. And an angel tells the baby's earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, the angel tells them, name him Jesus. You know what Jesus means? You know what that name means? It means God saves. Name him God saves. Why? Because that's who he is. And that's what he does. That's what Christmas is all about. Like God the Father sending God the Son to rescue people who are rotten. No offense, but it's true. I'm included. We're rotten. We've gotten ourselves into a whole lot of trouble. He rescues us because he loves us. 
and he thinks that we're worth it. The question is, do I think I'm worth it? Do I think I'm worth it? I have to want to be rescued. Christmas is all about God reaching out his hand to us while we're flailing around in the water. But guys, we have to reach back. We have, we have to reach back. Here's the thing. God doesn't force himself on any of us. He doesn't force himself on any of us. What he does is he offers himself to us. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is God reaching down to us. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Reaching down to us and saying, I'll rescue you. If you want to be rescued, if you recognize the situation that, you in, that you're in, all you got to do is reach up and grab hold of me. This is what Christmas is all about. Guys, I pray that each of us has a wonderful Christmas filled with joy and family and rest. More than anything, I pray that each of us reaches up and grabs hold of Jesus' hand says, I need rescue. And I trust you that you will rescue me. That's my prayer for us tonight.